All right, here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you are listening. This is episode 52 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast, and my co-host has currently not joined the invitation that I just sent, but our two guests have, so we're going to throw it right over to them. Oh, there's Sam. Gosh, you're late, bro. <laughs> it, never works. it never works the first time I clip it. Oh, my God. All right, uh, so we'll just delay that intro a little bit. Sam, how's your week been? Oh, it's been it's been good, man. Uh, just been working a lot. It's been pretty pretty hot. Um, been golfing a lot. You know, it's pretty much the same every week. Pretty much. I heard you shot a one hundred and three. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna call me out like that. It was, uh, it was yeah. pretty good. I just need um, I need like the best golfer I know, George Hughes, to come and. Uh, <laughs> Give me some lessons so I can break uh, break seventy, pretty much. Well, lucky for you, George is here with us today, right now. And not only is George here with us, but we also have another guest. Somebody who's not been on the show before, uh, Jandon. And I, I please forgive me. I don't know how to pro- properly pronounce your last name, and I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> You're good, uh, man. So, can you please uh, introduce yourself to everybody so I don't butcher your last name and sound like a moron? <laughs> oh, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Jan and Caridad. Um, Jason and I have been basically – how long have I known you? Now? Jason, since middle school? Uh, oh, God, middle school probably, yeah. That's crazy, man. It's been a yeah, while. It has been. Um, so we uh, we have a bunch of guests lined up for you today. We actually have – so one, two, let me count in my head. One, two, three, four, five, maybe six uh, guests uh, for this episode. But we've sort of broken everybody up into, into time slots for the first half an hour. Uh, George and Jan are going to be on, and then we'll introduce the other guests um, as we go. So I've sort of prepared a little intro for this, and then Sam has one as well. I'll get through it real quick, and then uh, and then we'll get going. Um, so uh, I feel it would be uh, inappropriate to not address um, our last episode, because I said something on our last episode that may sound contradictory to what today's episode is going to be about. So let me explain. Um, since this start of this podcast, which was July of 2019, uh, almost a year ago, Sam and I have always maintained that this is a sports and entertainment podcast, but heavily geared it towards sports. We talk about everything we feel knowledgeable on when it comes to sports, and every once in a while we geek out on some movies, TVs, or comic book movie news. We have stayed in the sports and entertainment lane for a very specific reason. Sam and I both believe we all need something throughout our day that makes us smile, makes us laugh, or makes us happy. This show, what Sam and I have tried to do since the beginning, is be a release for our listeners. Part of the uniqueness of this show, we feel, is that we aren't reporters, hence the name Fans Podcast. We say what we want, we have outrageous takes, we support our teams with a fiery and albeit sometimes biased passion. We bash each other for the stupid things we say, we make fun of each other for some of our sports takes and opinions. And we hopefully have come across to you all, our audience, as best friends, because that is what Sam and I are. We're best friends who act like brothers, and that one day said, let's start a podcast and see what happens. In saying all of this, our sometimes formal, but usually informal, clean, but sometimes vulgar, fan-centered show, we hope, has been a meaningful and enjoyable release whenever you have listened to us. Now, today will be no different in that sense. We want this episode to be an enjoyable and insightful time for anyone who decides to give us a listen. Now, it would be naive of anyone to believe that the world of sports exists in a bubble. I think at times we all fall victim to the view that sports is just 
sports and something that shouldn't be touched by politics or anything outside of the so-called sports bubble. But the fact remains that that simply isn't true. Because of the prodigious size of sports, it is impossible for instances of politics or, in the case of our world today, social justice to not enter the world of sports. Now, unless you've been living under a rock for the past week, there have been peaceful, nonviolent, and violent reactions, all three, um, and protests, to what we can all agree is the tragic and unfortunate death of George Floyd. Up until literally today, June 3rd, the world of sports has been relatively silent on the matter. There have been instances of athletes speaking out, helping communities, and making wonderful and insightful comments. But recently, there have been a handful of comments coming out of the world of sports from athletes that have sparked controversy and deserve attention, which is why we are filming today. Now, we want to make this abundantly clear. No one on this podcast is an expert. The idea today is to have a roundtable discussion with a multitude of guests we have on the show for you today, which we will introduce, like I said, as they appear. The heart of today's conversations will center around comments made by the select few athletes and coaches, but will obviously branch off into more uh, of the broad topic of social justice. So that is pretty much what the show is going to be about. That's my two cents on it. Sam has something he wants to say. As soon as he's done, we'll roll uh, right into what we're going to talk about. We'll probably start um, with either the Grant Napier um, situation, the Vic Vangio tweet, or the what Drew Brees said earlier. So, Sam, take it away, and then we'll get going. Yeah, um, I apologize first and foremost for how long this is. Um, I just kind of, like, word barfed, and, and I just kept going, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> um I first want to say that I apologize if anything I say comes across as offensive. I mean no offense, but if any part of my statement is is offensive, I need to further educate myself to ensure that I can choose my words more carefully in this situation. Now to talk about something that has been a part of this country since its establishment, the tension between races. I have over the last week or so have been contemplating my individual role in everything. At first, Jason and I wanted to steer clear of anything controversial and stick to entertaining our audience. But the more I thought, and I think it's the same for Jason, we have an audience, no matter how small or how big. People tune in to our podcast to hear our opinions. With that audience, we have an obligation to start a conversation for change. I understand my role in this conversation. I am privileged in this country. I'm privileged to be white. I'm privileged to be a man. I'm privileged to come from a middle-class home, which has allowed me to pursue all my wants and dreams. I'm privileged to have the opportunity to receive a higher higher education. I'm privileged to walk outside outside my door and not even have to worry about being discriminated against. Because of my privilege, I feel I have an obligation, an obligation to speak because within this country, my voice may be more likely heard to speak for people that have been trying to speak for over a half century. People like Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, Rosa Parks, Nelson Mandela, Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, and so many others. African-Americans have been saying the same things for generations, but their voices fall on deaf ears. It is our job as white Americans to help our fellow Americans whose voices have been ignored. We must champion for them so someday we all may be looked at equally. 
From everything I've read and heard, I think it's safe to say that today this country is closer to racial equality than during the 19th and 20th century. We have made improvements as a society, but we're not there yet. I see the greatest accomplishment for our generation has to be accelerating this improvement. How is it that this world technologically has advanced so far in this country, but still racially, we need to improve? Everyone can have computers in their pockets and the power of the internet at the touch of their fingers, but still not everyone can be seen as an equal person. Lastly, I want to address some rhetoric that has gone on in this country over the last decade. This is not coming off as Trump bashing or Republican shaming, but the phrase make America great again is not what I want to symbolize for this country. We should not be looking to return this country to what it was because evidently it isn't working. I feel our mindset as a country should be to make America better than it, than it has ever been. We should consider systematic changes to everything, changing our educational system, our banking system, how we employ workers, admittance to higher education, everything needs to be considered. We have so many smart people, real geniuses. There is no reason this country can't look to improve to something we've never seen before. Again, I don't mean to offend anyone with my words. If I did, I'm truly sorry. I just wanted to share what I've been thinking during all of this time. All right, so going forward, we got our two guests on right here. We wanted to give them an opportunity to give a little bit of a uh, two cents on everything as well. Sam and I got to say our piece, uh, George Shannon. Um, if you guys have something that you want to say, um, then by all means, uh, you can say it. And then if not, we'll just move right into uh, the topic of uh, sports at hand. So, Shannon, uh, you can go first if you'd like. Um, take as long as you want. Um, and now uh, let's go. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, looking back on it and looking at all the events that have led up to this, I think it is sad. And I think, you know, there's been a racial issue in this country for a long time now. And that can't be denied. You can't deny that. We've been there are a lot. People of color have always been oppressed for the past 200 odd years. And I mean, with all the looting, with all the violence, I personally don't think it's needed but at the same time it's not my place to say for a person who is not black or african-american to say that this violence isn't you know needed in this world right now but for me personally all i want to do is start spreading love to one another and that's all you can do really i want to start spreading love by acting out of love and making sure that everyone feels loved and i want everyone to know that no matter what color you are gender race or ethnicity you're going to get that love from me regardless of who you are and what background you come from. And I feel like if everyone had that same mentality, then this world would be a much better place. And so that's what I just wanted to lead with. And I hope that one day everyone can love one another. And one day, you know, we'd attain that peace through love. Hell yeah. That was well said. George. Uh, Hey guys. Yeah. It's uh, it's great to be back on the podcast again. Um, I, I think your intros, both uh, you and um, Sam were very well said. Um, You're too kind. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> and man, I'm just, uh, I applaud you guys for using your platform and straying away from the, well, not straying entirely away, but um, taking a, a, a lead off of uh, sports um, solely to, to speak on this. Um, I think it's a very noble use of your platform. And um, yeah, I applaud you for it. Um, I'm excited to, to talk about this because it's what needs to be done. We need to change uh, the world, starting with the people around us, our communities, our local communities, our friends and family. And um and yeah, Jandon, it is nice to meet you, and I look forward to uh, speaking with all of you. Nice yeah, to meet you, yeah. too. 
All right. Um, so before we get into this, uh, George, Janet, have you guys been keeping up with either uh, the the Grant Napier situation, the Vic Vangio tweet, or the Drew Brees one? The Drew Brees one was, I thought, was a little out there. Um, I read about the Grant Napier, mm-hmm. and then the Vic Vangio. I just looked it up right now, and I mean, yeah, just some statements from. Uh, three different people in three different sports exactly. or two different sports. Right. George? Um, I know about the Grant Napier situation or statement, sorry, and the uh, Drew Brees one, but I've not heard of the other one. Okay. Sam, uh, do you want a, a, a jumping off point here? Like, I know you had sort of an idea of where you wanted to start. I think you and I both agreed that one of them is more egregious than the other two. Um, so we can either start at the the most egregious one or work our way up to it or um, I think probably the most notable one that everyone can really um, touch on would probably be the Drew Brees comments. Um, I think that's probably where we should start. All right, so let's start there. Um, so earlier today, and this is June 3rd, um, I don't know when the tweet was officially sent off, and I don't think it actually was a tweet. I think it was an interview. Yeah, it was right? an interview. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that Drew Brees said during this interview is, and he said, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Now I should preface this statement with the question that was asked to him. And Sam, uh, I think you have a better understanding of what the question was. He was just asked um, pretty much what his thought was on the whole situation, right? In a nutshell. Yeah, he was um, the, we, we had listened to the, the full, one of the full interview, but the, the interview question before that was posed to him, it was more talking about with all the protests that are going on and the, um, the George Floyd um, murder that just happened, what Drew Brees thought was going to happen going into this next season. And then Drew just latched on. Well, then there was also he, um, the interviewer uh, mentioned Colin Kaepernick's situation. Um, and I think he clarified that Kaepernick wasn't kneeling to disrespect the military. And then Drew Brees had a statement. If I, if I, yeah. if I could like interrupt real quick, I think, because I, I was talking about um, this with some, somebody earlier today, and uh, I, I watched the video, and it seemed like the question that the interviewer was asking was, what do you think the NFL should do in response to future kneeling um, come the next NFL season when, when protests are still inevitably going to be going on and people are still going to be speaking out on this issue, what should the NFL do in response to people kneeling during the anthem in response to protesting on their platform? And that is when I think Breeze went in um, about disrespecting the flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, George, since you spoke on that, given, George, uh, given Drew's response, uh, that first, well, just pretty much what he said, what were your thoughts on Drew Brees and what he said? Because right now he is getting absolutely slaughtered um, from his teammates, from former NFL players, from NBA players. He, he's getting absolutely mm. dumped on by the sports mm-hmm. world right now. He is. Um, and you know what? I, I don't believe he was malintentioned. Oh, I, I don't know, but I think he might just be – I think he's missing the point. Missing the point entirely. And that, that point is that Colin Kaepernick and others kneeling uh, in protest during the national anthem. It is not protest of the national anthem. It is during the national anthem and during the national anthem while the flag is raised. That protesting is to uphold what the flag is supposed to stand for and what is not being actually represented in the country. 
And that's that's where I feel the disconnect is. He Breeze was saying that kneeling is disrespecting the flag, whereas I think he needs to view it as, no, this is the change that we need to bring about so that we can reach the point to where we can say that the flag does represent the values of the country. That was really well said, actually. Um, I like that. George, Dan, you kill it. I know, seriously. It's because it's I talked with someone already about this today, so I kind of got lucky. <laughs> uh, Danny, what do you think? I mean, I feel like, I don't know. It's just, I, the, the, I don't want to sound racist and I don't want to sound mean, but because I think it came from a predominantly white man in a white, um, in a very black sport, in a very predominantly black and African American dominated sport, I feel like that's why it's being construed and con or convoluted in a way. What he said, again, like George said, I don't think it's him kneeling towards like the national anthem or to the flag that's disrespectful. It's, you know, it's the protest to for equality in our country right now and i feel like that's what got misconstrued in that way and i feel like that's why there's a lot of bashing even michael thomas is bashing him his cameron jordan's bashing him i mean he's got all his players bashing him and all his teammates bashing him and even his coach is trying to back him up but i mean what can sean payton do as he already said what he said you know and i mean it's sad and unfortunate that this happened but i mean there's nothing we can do about it and you know i feel like he's going to make a statement soon about this type of, or the, what he, what words and what was misunderstood. What has but, but wait, real, real, <laughs> yeah, quick, real yeah, quick. exactly. So, Janet, when you said, like, people misunderstood, like, what he said, I feel like it, it, it isn't – I feel like that isn't the case. I feel like he meant what he said, but I feel like he is missing the point. Of, like, there's a disconnect mm-hmm. between what he believes Kaepernick was kneeling mm-hmm. for and, like, how he views that. I feel like that yeah. is the misunderstanding and not, not, not what he's saying. That's oh, okay, what for sure. For yeah. sure. Okay. That, okay. That's no, what no, I mean. That's what I mean. I'm sorry. Do any of you do any of you get the sense that Breeze wanted to say this a long time ago during this, didn't get a chance to, and then when somebody asked him a softball question that he thought he could sort of turn into this, he took an opportunity to. And I don't wanna make it sound like Drew Breeze is a bad guy. Dude's my favorite quarterback of all time. Um mm-hmm. but part of me feels like the question that he was asked was so straightforward and was such an easy, you could easily give a very non-controversial answer. And he took an opportunity to say something that necessarily, that wasn't necessarily related to the question. And part of me feels like he did it on purpose, not in a way to, not in a way to sound controversial. Cause I don't think he was trying to be controversial. And to me, in a nutshell, if you were just to take his statement and erase everything that was going on right now, what he said is totally fine. With him saying, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America Mm -hmm. or our country. That's a perfectly fine statement to Mm -hmm. say. But when you add it on top Mm -hmm. of what's going Mm -hmm. on, then it becomes a problem. So part of me feels like he just took the opportunity to say something that's been on his mind for a while. Okay. I can can see that from that point of view, but... Was it real? Was his word choice really that perfect in this time right now? After this week, after George Floyd's shooting, and after all of this is going oh, on, you know sure. what I mean? Yeah, the I mean, timing and the optics of it is bad. Yes. Yeah, but I totally agree. Well, I mean, I don't. I I do agree. I don't stand for anyone disrespecting the flag of the United States or our country, for that matter. But I mean, the fact that he said that during this time, I think, is what, like you said, I think that's what you know got mixed up in this situation. I think George said it right. I think uh, that 
Drew's missing the point of why Cap was there. Yeah. Um, because yeah. mm-hmm. I, I'm, I am in the military. I'm a United States Marine. And so when it comes to people disrespecting, like I, when it happened, when the initial kneeling of the flag, I mean, not of the flag, when the initial kneeling during the anthem happened, uh, that really bothered me. It really did. Um, mm-hmm. But then you kind of hear why he was kneeling and you kind of under, you, you get it. You understand. You may not like it, but you understand. Um, and mm-hmm. you, you view it as acceptable, at least from somebody who's in the military. That's, that's sort of, I mean, you, you understand why, why Cap did it. And in all honesty, looking back at it, it was probably the smartest thing for Cap to do to get noticed. Um, so. I yeah. Know. I mean, I mean, back then in, was it 2016 was when Kaepernick did all that? Yeah. Um, back then, the anthem, I, I feel like people missed this point. The anthem, it wasn't the, the fact that he was disrespecting the anthem. The anthem was the catalyst for him to grow the biggest awareness. He could have, yeah. you could have put him kneeling in any event, X, Y, Z, anything, just to build that, hey, guys, like, this needs to stop. This uh, racial discrimination by police officers mm-hmm. needs to stop. The fact that it was done during the anthem was just the fact to get as many people to see that. True. Viewing yeah. him, like, seeing that. Yeah, I and see then, that. Um, well, I... Um, so, what, Dries, what Drew Brees is saying, I think his uh, statement totally symbolically like paste that as the um the statement for all people that had so many so like such a big problem for Colin Kaepernick kneeling back then in the day Mm -hmm. and it was just like I think George you said that it was just he's missing the point of Mm -hmm. what was happening that's what infuriated Mm -hmm. everyone I I have a quote here by um Rogers who tweeted today a few years ago, we were criticized for locking arms in solidarity before the game. It has never been about an anthem or a flag. Not then, not now. Yeah. See, Aaron Rodgers understands yeah. what it all what it yeah. all was about. Yeah. That's what Drew Brees is missing in this whole thing. An interesting point, an uh, interesting fact that maybe someone can back me up, and I think I read it on Twitter today, is that uh, Kaepernick was advised by one of his friends who's a Green Beret to to actually do this and to actually, like, yeah, that, I, I, I read that somewhere today. I don't know how exactly how true it is, but um, I, I feel like that's interesting too because Jason, like you said, you're you're in the Marines and you can see the the true message that he's trying to say. You can see that he's not disrespecting the flag. He is saying, "Let's uphold the values of the flag," because it's not happening. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. And it's and this whole thing since this started because not only am I in the military, but my dad was in law enforcement for 23 years. Mm. He just retired, um, like three, four months ago. So I grew up with a cop. I was raised by a cop and not only that, but I grew up around cops. Um, and we have a saying in the military, um, which is, uh, it's called the 10% and, um, everybody pardon my language here, but this phrase is the 10% fuck it up mm-hmm. for everybody else. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. So when you, when the, I think the thing so far that has bothered me the most throughout all of this um, is the umbrella that gets that gets cast around all cops, um, and I and I sit there and I go, man, you know, like mm-hmm. I've grown up around 
wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and all of them are, and a lot of them are police officers. And it's like, yeah, there are, but there are bad cops. There are bad, we all know that. And there, nobody's debating the fact that, nobody's saying that what happened to George Floyd wasn't egregious because it was, it shouldn't have happened, bottom line. Um, and it's, it was that group of four cops that messed it up for everybody else. Um, and so that's, that's what bothered me throughout all of this. And I think it's funny or really interesting that you actually mentioned the green beret thing, because I think that goes to show you that there are plenty of service members out there. Um, or at least there are service members out there who, yeah, they fight for the, that flag, but they also fight for, um, the freedom mm-hmm. that you have to mm-hmm. do what you want during mm-hmm. that anthem. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've, I haven't heard mm-hmm. that before. I actually just looked it up. Um, it was um, Nate Boyer is the, his name. The guy? The Green Beret? Okay. Yeah, his name's Nate Boyer. And apparently he was also an ex-NFL oh, wow. uh, uh, player. Oh, there you go. And there was something, Janet, that you said earlier that I wanted to give a, a fact to because you said in a predominantly um, – a league that's predominantly um, black. So the NFL actually is 70% um, black college at the college mm-hmm. – um, in a college level, it's 57%. But here's an a interesting stat for you guys that we read. There are three black head coaches currently employed by teams, three out of mm. 32. And I think Sam and I were looking it up. I don't know if we landed on a number. We think there's uh, one one NFL owner. That's black. a minority, I think. Yeah, I don't, even think, it's, I don't yeah. even think they're black. I may not even, yeah. Um. And every everybody else is... Is why so there was there's throwing some stats behind your uh, mm-hmm. what you were saying. Wow, and kind of an eye for sure. Thing, I mean that know? speaks to the like mm-hmm. you know you're just looking at the NFL right there and you're looking at ownership like if you look at NFL as a business the CEOs are all white you know and that just speaks to the systemic mm-hmm. racism that is throughout the country and that has been built since the country's origins you know that's just how it's been. For sure. Um. And actually, so the next topic that we're going to be talking about is we're going to move to the uh, Vic Vangio thing. And our next guest that's coming on right now, who all four of us are going to be here for, um, I'll introduce um, when he comes on. Uh, but he is a uh, former Sac State uh, college football player. He's also an athlete for uh, Company 10,000. Um, so he's going to be coming on. He's going to be talking to us about this whole thing. Um, and we're going to, uh, we're going to talk to him in a little bit. Um, so is there anything that you guys want to say, uh, closing thoughts about the breeze thing? we got about three minutes before we're going to bring, uh, before we're going to bring Cody in. I mean, we could talk about the, uh, the actual sports effects of his comments. Like what's going to happen in that locker room when they return for, you know, <laughs> I, training I camp. feel like, you know, people blow up in their responses to Drew Brees, like, like their response is saying, you know, F Brees. Like, you know, even his players are calling him out. Like, I just really think the response not going to be able to fight fire with fire. When you fight fire with fire, people get frustrated and then they don't listen. So you just need to talk with people and educate people about why their statement they made were kind of wrong and why they're misunderstanding something. And then you just need to talk to them and tell them what they're missing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Drew Brees is also so much of a leader that I mean, he'll, he knows when he, if he did, he, he knows when he did something wrong, you know, and I feel like he'll own up to that. And um, he's not the type of person to hold back a grudge or a person to just shrug it off his shoulder, you know? And I mean, he, like, like you said, Jason, he's, 
probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And he's not going to let something like this tarnish what his legacy is. Yeah, and he's done so you know? much for that community. Like, a lot of the – I mean, when mm-hmm. uh, um, when Katrina came through, I mean, he was he was so out front with, with helping everybody. Um, and he's done so much for that community just outside of outside of sports. And I, I think he's going to realize that what he said was maybe not wrong, but the timing of it was inappropriate. Um, and it wasn't the bigger mm-hmm. picture. Um and I'm sure I'm sure he's going to put out some sort of statement. I feel like Drew's. I mean, everything that I think all of us have heard about Drew Brees, he's a mm-hmm. good guy. Um, and it's out. It's. I wouldn't even say that what he said is necessarily out of character. I think George said it the best. He just misunderstood um, uh, the whole meaning mm-hmm. of the kneeling thing. Um, so I feel like that's going to get corrected. I would assume that a lot of his teammates are going to mm-hmm. realize what he said and sort of give him a pass. I nope. know that, well, maybe. <laughs> they didn't give him a pass today? Well, they didn't give him a pass today, but I feel... Like I have never seen teammates go at a guy that hard. I feel like it's okay to, to slap your teammate on the wrist pretty hard, though. Not No, that's when you yeah, call yeah, yeah, him up. Yeah. If, they, if they were going to give him the benefit of the doubt, they would have called him personally because you know Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders all have Drew Brees' own very true. phone number. That's very true. They would not have blown up... They would not have blown him up in a public setting. On social right. media. No way. That cuts all ties to me. There is totally going to be lingering effects because of this. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And that's going to be something that's uh, going to be interesting to dissect going down the future. I mean, going going forward, because the idea I'm sure that's going to be floating around people's head is, is Drew Brees going to get released. Um, He's going to retire. Or retire. <laughs> or is he going to, quotation mark, retire and, quietly get sort of get pushed out the door um i don't think that would happen so i don't think it will either but you know we'll find out um so we're going to so for the guys who are in this conversation right now we're going to end this call we're going to start another call with cody and then for you guys who are listening it's just going to sound like one fluid thing so we're going to bring in uh cody allen and then uh yeah we'll move the uh the vic vangio stuff okay great All right, here we go. So everybody is back. So we just finished our conversation um, about Drew Brees and everything that has been going on with him and the incident that came up today. If um, So we're just going to move on to the uh, the Vic Vangio comments. We're still waiting um, on Cody to accept the call. So it's still the four of us right now. But until he gets here, we'll, uh, we'll sort of preface the Vic Vangio thing a little bit. Sam, uh, do you want to take a hold of this one? Yeah, I really don't want to read his tweet because we both know there's one word that we can't pronounce. That's true. So I'm going to have you read it because you listen to the phonetic. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. Um, so before we get to it, Cody, he's here. So we'll introduce everybody. Uh, we have uh, Cody Allen uh, here with us. Uh, like I said before, uh, former Sac State uh, college football player. He's also an athlete for 10,000. Cody, thanks for uh, coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate you guys getting me on here. No problem. So, Cody, just a little introduction around the table. You know me. Uh, co-host is Sam. We've got another guest. His name is George Hughes. And then we got another uh, guy here with us. His name is Daniel. We just talked about um, what's been going on with uh, Drew Brees. I'm sure you've been keeping up with that. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is the Vic Vangio tweets. Um, have you been keeping up at all with what's been going on uh, with uh, Vic Vangio recently? Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw the little tidbit drop okay. earlier today. All right, perfect. So, um, for anybody who hasn't 
um, heard what Vic Vangio said. I'll read you sort of the three sentences that I have right in front of me, the uh, four sentences that I have uh, right in front of me. Um, I'll sort of shorten it a little bit. Uh, he basically said, uh, I think our problems in the NFL along those lines are minimal. I don't see racism at all in the NFL. I don't see discrimination in the NFL. Now, we just read a stat on the first half an hour that said three, there are three black head coaches employed by teams in the NFL out of 32 in a league that is 70% black. So, No, no. Hey, Jason. Yeah. At, with that set in mind, so three head coaches out of 32 teams – and he later says, if society reflected an NFL team, we'd all be great. There's the kicker. Ooh. So, yeah, so there's, bad. So wow. there's the kicker to this whole thing. So, Cody, we've been talking a bunch. Uh, you have as much time as you want, pretty much. I, well, that's kind of a lie. You have about eight minutes. Um, uh, so, say anything you want about the Vic Banjo thing. Sort of your thoughts on this whole thing. If you got something to say about the Drew Brees thing as well, the floor is yours. Have at it. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Vic Fangio, you got to look at him. So, older guy, right? I played football for nine years, let's say. Um, there's a lot of prejudice within football. It is what it is um, to an extent. But you've you've seen – and you saw Patrick Mahomes. You saw Brian Arakpo. You saw myself I've talked about it. I heard Pat McAfee say it for whatever reason in a football locker room. When we all come together, race is put to the side. It's not – you get guys from different walks of life. Pat McAfee, if you guys know who that is, he talked about – he's played football at West Virginia. He talked about uh, Joseph Adai, who played football at LSU. When they're on the Colts together, that was his mentor. That was his best friend. For whatever reason, when, when somebody has a, a common goal, like a football team, like they're out there respecting the hell out of each other because they see how hard that we're working. Uh, they're trying to win a Super Bowl. They're trying to win a game. They're trying to just win the day. Um, everything else is put by the wayside and you really like shed the color off of everybody. And I can kind of, in that respect, I can kind of see like maybe Vic Fangio was like maybe leaning along the lines of that side. As far as the coaching stuff goes, that like the numbers, the numbers are fucking, the numbers are there, you know, like there's obviously a massive disparity between the two races as far as representation of, um, head coaching and, and GM. I mean, you wouldn't put a, a, um, a rule. What is it? The Rooney rule. You wouldn't yeah. put that in place if there was, if there was, if this wasn't an issue, but um, within the locker room in and of itself, which head coaches and, and a lot of people might not know this, but like there's the locker room that the head coaches see. And then there's the players locker room, the players locker room. There's like a, a bonding there. There isn't a ton of segregation, but there is, racism within the locker room like I played football me being half black half white I played football with a ton of guys that they came from call it redneck call it whatever you want like very like white upbringing which is whatever it's okay it's what they knew and then you get guys that I played with that were from LA that were from gangs or whatever and like that's okay too and they came together and we figured it out on the team I mean everybody's talking about uh, remember the titans right now like America needs to go back and watch remember mm-hmm. the titans um when there's a common goal and an understanding people tend to figure it out right they tend to at least logically look and be like hey i understand that whatever you feel is different than what i feel they can even agree to disagree but they go out there and they work together right now in america we definitely don't have that as far as what vic fangio is saying like i mean 
he's, he's just wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, I have one of my, one of my really good friends. I played three, I played four years at Sac State with him. He's played four years on the Broncos. He's starting middle linebacker for the Broncos. I haven't asked him about it cause it just happened today. Um, but he's a black kid from the LA region. And I mean, that's his coach, right? Yeah. But he's got a feeling different about it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to say it as far as like strictly his comments other than saying like he's wrong. I think everybody can pretty much agree that, that he's wrong. I don't know where he came up with that other than maybe the <laughs> fact that he's like in his 60s. <laughs> he's, he's, like, well, he's like 61, right? Something I, I like just know that, that he's yeah. a little bit older. Um, and maybe I, I would like to assume I was like looking for like the best in, in people or whatever. I'd like to assume that like maybe he was coming at it from like a different angle or something. But um, as far as like, especially when it comes to the, the coaching and the C-level executives, there's a massive disparity between the racage. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that's, that's they're working towards getting fixed, you know? Um, you hear, I don't know if you guys know who Lewis Reddick is or yeah. Lewis Reddick is, but he talks about it pretty mm-hmm. frequently. He's somebody that will be a GM someday, right? Oh, for sure. But he, he petitioned for the Philly GM spot years ago and he was working in their front office and he's somebody that like, as soon as he was done playing football, they're like, this guy's the best recruit. This guy is one of the best front office people. So um, it sucks for teams that are, that are passing up on um, talent like that. But I, I think things are going to change, um, especially within the football space, because there's got to be a mutual respect. Like, obviously, the thing with, with Drew Brees today, everybody came in his head. Um, yeah. I, I think there's – I think, like, we call it timing, call it whatever. I think everybody's got to – there's got to be this open dialogue. People just got to say something. Like, if Drew wants to think that, it's okay for Drew to think that. But, like, all right, explain yourself. But then also – you, you have to be somewhat empathetic to what other people are feeling. So, all right, sit down with Michael Thomas and ask him what he thinks about it, right? And if he feels that way, then you have to respect his feelings, you know, man. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. For sure. And I, I think that sports has a, a unique – has a unique opportunity. Well, I mean, I feel like sports, because of how many – how where people come from, they have a – it's like a melting pot for a lot of this stuff. Like you could, they have a, they have a unique um, platform to, to be, um, I'm trying to think of the right phrase for this, but they have a, maybe a unique platform to be a, um, like a stepping stone for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. They can almost be the front runner and set the example for society. Exactly. Um, And it was honestly, it was that last part of that big video statement that really <laughs> put it over the top. Um, and uh, Jandon, when you when Sam read that, what was like the, your initial thought on that? Because uh, I mean, I think I'm at a loss. Where if it was, if we showed a social team, then we'd show that. I mean, yeah. would be great that one. I I feel like I mean I'm not again I'm not a person of color, but just being empathetic towards a person whose race has been predominantly, you know, not been upheld to the standard that other races, it kind of, it's a shot in the gut, you know, hearing that. And I mean, if you're a person, if you're an African-American right now, or if you're an African-American for that team, uh, how do you feel that your coach 
is a coach like that is leading you onto the field every yeah. single Sunday night. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know what I mean, George? Um, yeah, I mean, when you, I, I had not come across that either, what, whatever it was, tweet or statement or whatever it was, until you had said it, and that like hit me out of nowhere. Like when, when, when you said that he said if society looked like a football team, and I interpreted that as white head coach black players working mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. that's yep. how, that's how i interpreted it that's exactly mm-hmm. how it sounds i really hope he didn't mean that because if he did he's gonna he's gonna suffer the consequences because he cannot say something like that it's just like obviously so wrong yeah you got i mean you'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt you would but, but <laughs> it didn't sound I mean, the way the way that it sounds, yeah you know i think good i think vic is just he's out of his element man yeah Someone put a microphone in his head, and he ha- he wanted to say something, and he just kept rambling on, and he he said too many he exposed words. Himself. <laughs> we Dude. should have we should have learned from Herm years ago, right? Don't press in, right? I don't press in. I think um, you could say that to Drew, but that's um, true. <laughs> I think where he's coming from, I think he was focusing on the players, like Cody. What well, Cody was talking about, the locker room interactions, mm-hmm. because he's a head coach. I'm assuming he's his focus is on mm-hmm. the players, right? Yeah. But when you just take his quote into the full context of the NFL, mm-hmm. if you're like a Lewis Riddick is a perfect example. I can only imagine what Lewis Riddick thought when he read this. When he doesn't have an opportunity to be in an NFL front office and then a white head coach who's, I think, pretty well, respect, re- well respected in the league. He's been around yeah. for a long time. Everything's all good, he says. Everything's great. We're all good here in the NFL. <laughs> It's like, yeah. whoa, what are you yeah. – this is an NFL head coach? Yeah. And he's thinking this? Yeah. Oh, my god! It just – it shows further disconnect, mm. you know. Um, and then uh, before we uh, – we're going to have to wrap up the closing thoughts because we're going to have another guest um, that we're going to have coming on. But, Cody, do you have anything uh, – last things that you want to say um, about – either about the Vic Fangio thing or about the Drew Brees thing? Um, no, I mean – I, I think that everybody's pretty much on the same side. I just encourage people to continue to just have these conversations mm-hmm. just like you guys are. You guys are the front runner for it. Like I'm tomorrow, I'm going on Instagram live and I'm just talking with uh, somebody that was actually on the Sac State dance team when I was on the football team. And we're just going to talk about, I mean, stupid as it is to say, let's talk about what it's like to be black. That's great. Uh, next... No, you said, yeah, no, wait, that's good. Cody, you said, you said that you should. Kind of stupid. You that should. is the most important thing that white people need to hear right now. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah. It, it's also, it makes you think a little bit. So it, tomorrow, if you guys want to tune in, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time on my Instagram, I'm just going to go live and it's oh, 100% open format. And she's very well spoken and I'm coming from my direction of it. And, and she's also a woman. So there's a lot of things that I can learn from her and she can learn from me. And then it's just like literally allowing people to sit in and listen to like a, a coffee table conversation, basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Oh, that's know. awesome. So for anybody who's listening, who doesn't know uh, his Instagram handle, it's just the Cody Allen and that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Cody, thanks for coming on. Janet, I know uh, you got to go as well. Um, so thank you both of you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, for, for lending us, uh, your opinions. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Thank you guys. Yeah. yeah thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. No thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, so the next guest we're going to be bringing in, uh, is a uh, Penn state, uh, soccer player, Keegan Ness. We'll introduce him when he, uh, comes on and, uh, we'll see you, uh, in a little bit. So here we go.
All right, here we go. So um, for you guys, hopefully that sounded like a quick and smooth turn. Um, we're, uh, we're still waiting on our uh, next guest, Keegan, S to jump in. Uh, so before he gets there, we'll uh, start the uh, next con- – oh, Keegan, there you are. What's up, dude? Hey, guys. Oh, man. So, Keegan, uh, it is me and Sam, and uh, George is here with us. So, Sam, hey, guys. Keegan. Hey, yo. <laughs> on, guys. Um, so, Keegan, the two – so we've obviously been at this for about 45 minutes. The two things that we have talked about, we've got about 15 minutes with you right now before we got to bring on somebody else. Okay. Um, so the two things we have talked about so far has been the comments uh, from Drew Brees mm-hmm. and then the Vic Vangio comments as well. Um, okay. So are you familiar with either one of those? Yes. Yes. Which one? Uh, both, I guess. <laughs> both, okay. Um, um, I, I have, like, notes prepared, like, just, like, things I was thinking about saying. Um, I didn't really prepare anything for the Vic Vangio thing, but um, – I actually did have a class that talked about a lot of what he said about the racism in the NFL. So I'd, um, I'd be open to talk about that, talking about that if you would like. Oh, for sure. Go ahead. If you got anything you wanted to say, then just take it. Um, uh, I guess I'll start with the breeze thing. Um, I mean, I don't know what was said, um, but, um, you know, I saw the interview earlier and on Twitter and then someone quoted the tweet and said something um, that I thought was funny. Um, so I won't take credit for it, but he said, um, Breeze is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, but he missed the point completely. When it yes. came to oh, that's perfect. Um, so, I mean, when he said that, like, I, I honestly, I mean, I don't think Breeze is necessarily a racist person, but I think just like most people in this country, they don't have perspective of what it's like to be an African-American in this country. I mean, you guys don't, and I certainly don't. Um, so, I mean, the flag represents different things to different people. Um, and I mean, Kaepernick kneeling at the start, he made it very clear. He didn't want to be disrespectful to the military. Um, and like, I think something that gets lost in all of that sometimes is that like, if you guys remember the first game he protested, he sat down on the bench away from his teammates, but then eventually he changed it because of an ex army green beret that suggested kneeling with your teammates would be more inspiring than sitting by yourself. Um, and the guy's name was Nate Boyer. Um, and he's, he flat out said that he didn't agree with what Kaepernick was doing by not standing. But, I mean, he was able to admit that, like, like he doesn't have perspective of what it's like being an African-American. And, like, it's his unalienable right to use his First Amendment right to mm-hmm. do that. So, I mean, um, you know, I don't, I don't understand why people have such a hard time grasping that concept. I mean, it is hard seeing things from a different point of view sometimes. But, I mean, like I said, the... The flag means different things to different people. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a heavy topic, but I think after everything that's happened in the past, like, 10 days to, like, past two, three months, I mean, I, I think we can say Kaepernick was right to kneel. I think he always was. Yeah, and you and uh, George are making Sam and I look bad because neither one of us knew about the Green Beret thing. And you guys both, no? and you guys both yeah, dropped That's why we have that. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Keegan, well, yeah, but. Keegan actually cleared some things up on it, so I'm, I'm glad true. you brought it up and, and knew knew a little more about it, Keegan. So I was not um, completely uh, aware of what what exactly happened. So once again, yeah, once um, again, the guest maker show better. So. <laughs> yeah, um, if you guys, there's like, he was on first take um, like three years ago. His name's Nate Boyer. Um, I, I recommend someone if you guys are who's ever listening, look it up on YouTube. He talks about it um, and his conversation he had with Kaepernick, and it was actually really inspiring. It gives a lot of perspective of what. Both of them, both of their dialogues and what went behind Kaepernick's mm-hmm. kneeling. So, mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. Um, so we all sort of gave our two cents on the Drew Brees thing, and then we'll move to the Vic Vangio thing. Um, Sam, uh, read. So I'll read the first part of the oh. Vic Vangio statement, and then uh, Sam, you read the back half of it, and Keegan, give us your thoughts on it, especially the uh, especially the back half of this. Um, so, okay. so Vic Vangio said, I think our problems in the NFL along those lines are minimal. I don't see racism at all in the NFL. I don't see discrimination in the NFL. And then he kicked it off at the end with. Well, keeping in mind that only three out of the 32 coaches in the NFL are of African-American color. And if you were to then incorporate general managers, executives, owners, it gets worse and worse. But he says to conclude, if society reflected an NFL team, we'd all be great. And that's also on top of the fact that the 70% of the NFL is black. So, taking all that in, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, the numbers don't really make sense when he said that, to be completely honest. Um, I think that's pretty clear. Um, I'm trying to find I, – I have class notes when we talked about this, but, I mean, um, there's a term, and I'm, I'm really kicking myself because I can't find it. You're gonna fail the class if you don't know the term. I I passed the class, but <laughs> there's there's a there was a term that um, specifically talked about um, the positions in the NFL and how they related to race, where um, there were centralized positions um, positions of that quote unquote required more intelligence, like the quarterback position, where we see an overwhelming number of um, white quarterbacks. I mean, obviously that's changing now, which obviously is is good. Um, but it just talked about that and you're right. like with the coaches, um, um, just a, a disproportional amount of non-minority coaches in the NFL. Um, and I don't know, I, you guys might know more about this than I do cause I don't really know all of it, but I know they just made amendments to the, um, the Rooney rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you guys can speak on that, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about the new amendments. Oh, truthfully, I haven't seen any new amendments to the Rooney Rule. Um, I wouldn't they, be surprised. I think they accepted it. I wouldn't be surprised if, after all this, they did. <laughs> well, uh, they. I know they were proposing something where they were gonna, um, they were gonna like gift draft picks and like better draft positions if a team hired like minority people to positions within their front office or their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Like they were like rewarding people for making their team more diverse, but and then you, can we, you're not really hiring the most skilled people at that point, but yeah. yeah you're not hiring because of skill. I, I'm not saying that a minority person wouldn't be as skilled, but you're not that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You're saying, no, Sam, I, I, you're saying the right thing. We need to talk about this. Like, let's, let's clear this up because, because it is, it is giving the incentive for, teams to hire um, black or other people of color as coaches. Um, but I don't think it's for the right reason. You know, there needs to be a change in the root cause of it, which is that maybe black people aren't having the opportunity to climb the ranks of administrative positions so that they can become coaches in the first place. Like that, mm-hmm. that is the problem that needs to be addressed. I, I don't have the answers. I'm sure none of you guys do like, but it's, it's, that is the thing that well, needs to be discussed and talked about. Well, can I just say this, and I and you can agree with me or disagree on that? The fact that the Rooney Rule even exists is a problem, right? Yeah, exactly. It should, exactly. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't even be 
there shouldn't even be something that says, hey, you're required to interview a black or minority uh, head coach. It should just be like, okay, here are your list of 10 coaches. Interview them all. Not yeah. just select who – no, it should, the, the rule itself is the problem. Yeah. Not, well, not, the, not the amendments itself. It shouldn't I mean, even exist. It's – so I'm going to say it. it's in theory good intentions. For but sure. it's the laziest form yes. of yeah. – Solving trying the problem. to help the process. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, the NFL, like, they needed to do something. And I guess the Rooney rule was the easiest thing they could have implemented, the, le- the least painful thing they could have put in to mm-hmm. get that quota of, hey, we're trying to help our diversity <laughs> problem. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, too, it's too, yeah, it definitely does it in the wrong way. You know, it doesn't attack the root cause of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's um, get to some Grant, man. Yeah, let's get. I was just about to say, let's get to some Grant Napier, and who initially, <laughs> honestly, I thought was the most egregious out of the three, but I didn't hear the back half of that Vic Fangio thing. Um, so now I'm changing my mind a little bit. But um, so, if any of you don't know, Demarcus Cousins uh, tweeted uh, at Grant Napier. He says, "What's your take on BLM, which is Black Lives Matter?" And Grant Napier responded. He said, "And I quote: Hey, how are you?" Thought you forgot about me. Haven't heard from you in years. And then all caps, all lives matter, every single one. And then he later got pretty much, he got fired. He got fired for it. <laughs> I mean, that's, the, that's yeah. the easiest. That's like put a blanket statement no, over they, it. He got fired. They parted ways. They parted ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know where to start. We'll go to, well, I guess we'll start with Sam because I've been starting everywhere else and I haven't started with Sam. Sam, uh, our announcer's gone. What do you, I mean, First of all, our announcer's gone too. Uh, what he said, what do you think about what he said? So so what he said was it it's echoes the sentiment that with Drew Brees, except it's a little worse language yeah. that he used because he doesn't know what he's talking about pretty much. No. And then he says something with so much emphasis. <laughs> he was yeah. so emphatic about it. He said it with his whole chest. Yeah. <laughs> But I, my favorite part, I was not my favorite. The the worst part of it. <laughs> oh, this is his apology. If it comes across as dumb, I apologize. That was not my intent. That yeah. is how I was raised. It has been ingrained in me since I can remember. That's not, that is such a backwards thinking. The fact the, the fact, kind of... the fact that he can acknowledge that and say, look, if it is dumb to you, it's not my fault. Like that's the fact that a, he can do that, he he can change that about himself. You know, that's not an apology. Educate yourself, bro. Hey, but if, if you think it's dumb, then I apologize. But yeah. to everyone else, I don't apologize. Yeah, yeah exactly. every word of it. That's it, Grant. Come on, dude. Yeah. Oh man, uh, George, you were uh, you were going on right there. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So, well, sorry for interrupting, Sam. I apologize if you had some more to say. No, it's all good. Okay. Um, You'll just say it better than I would ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that, I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, sarcasm in there with his, like, jabs at, um, you know, Boogie right there in, in like, the stuff leading up to All Lives Matter. Every the how are in you? All cast yeah, yeah. About me. Yeah, I, I feel like that just kind of implies just a kind of agitated tone. And, like, yeah. I feel like, you know, he is maybe annoyed at all of this that's going on for some reason, whatever his views are. But, like, the fact that, he says all lives matter in all caps just indicates that he does mean and does know what he's talking about when he, when he's saying that, like he, he, 
he knows his intentions behind putting that in all caps and putting exclamation points behind it. Like, like he is speaking against BLM in a way, mm-hmm. you know, in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I just feel like that is just, you know, to know that and to know that you work with so many people of color and like, you know, mm-hmm. basketball, the NBA is made up of so many black people and, and just you work side by side with them. But I just feel like that is straight disrespectful um, to kind of denounce their movement in that way. And can you yeah. um, can you elaborate on how the all lives matter uh, statement goes directly against the Black Lives Matter movement? Sure. So all lives matter only came up when Black Lives Matter did. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a response to it saying that, mm-hmm. OK, well, if Black Lives Matter, then I mean, what about us? What about what about blue lives? What about being cops you know what about white lives what about asian lives what about everybody else but i think and then a very simple analogy that's been going around social media is the house analogy the house on fire analogy Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's very good it's almost a cliche at this point because it's really so simple if you have a neighborhood and a house is on fire and you say you call the fire department and you say my house is on fire and the fire department says like but don't all houses matter like why why don't we go watering all the other houses well it's like it's because mine's on fire right now mine is burning to the ground in this neighborhood and you're just going to focus on Mm -hmm. every single one like there's a problem with every single one no my house is on fire right now so we need to address this problem and so that is how you know that's how you can equate it in a simple analogy very well said okay i think george hit hit the head on the nail with that one um or nail on the head (laughs) um, i got that back that would hurt. Um, but like, yeah, Julie and I were talking about it earlier, but like when you take this situation out of context and you like, if you were to just say someone lost their job over tweeting all lives matter, it seems a little bit ridiculous, mm-hmm. but in the context in which it was said during this time, when a person like Grant Napier's, whose, whose colleagues are all just about, most of them are people of color. Like I, I think it's a little bit inexcusable. And I agree that he probably did know what he was doing when he said that. Um, and I mean, just the rhetoric and the connotations that that phrase has of all lives matter. I mean, it diminishes the black lives matter movement. And like, I think today, like you can even call it racist to say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is a little bit crazy to think about it. Well, I think what you said, um, and you were saying, if you take it out of it's not like so if you were i i literally said this about a half an hour ago about the drew Brees thing what drew Brees and grant napier said isn't necessarily a bad thing to say but take it in context with everything that's going on around the timing of it the optics of it and the seeming lack of awareness makes it really bad um absolutely so like saying all lives matter every single one on you know any given day of the week when when none of this is going on is like okay great but right now it's nobody's nobody's saying that all lives don't matter nobody said that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's like it's like okay yeah but that's not the point yeah um, and nobody really cares right now nobody cares about all lives matter we're not talking about that that's not the heart of the conversation mm-hmm. um so yeah it was well it's also too it's like a it's a direct like counter to the black lives matters movement because the purpose of that movement is to try to say, Hey, 
please, we matter too, right? Because yeah. the sentiment of this country is black lives don't matter as much as white lives mm-hmm. or any other lives in this country. So saying that all lives matter is like saying everything is great in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's like putting blindfolds on and saying everything's good. We hear you, but we don't hear you mm. type of thing. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's yeah. no problem. There's no point for the Black Lives Matter movement because all lives matter mm. equally. Yeah. It's, it's just you can't say that. Yes, in a perfect world, all lives do matter. Mm-hmm. But that's not what African-Americans are feeling mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. And just saying all lives matter doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah. You have to, you can't say it. You need to make it, change it with action. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's a, it's a blanket statement, which I think a lot of people have sort of fallen victim to. And a lot of this is throwing blanket statements out of, I mean, just out of the blue because for, well, for one reason or another. Um, I think the thing right here is that for me was the seeming lack of awareness, which just, I was so weird i i don't know um so um we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to wrap up these uh uh, thoughts real quick because we have another guest who's coming on in about two minutes um so keegan do you have any uh closing thoughts uh for us about anything you can say whatever the heck you want um i mean i guess for anybody listening um if you want to make a difference with this movement i mean i guess first and foremost educate yourself um recognize and acknowledge your own privilege um, seek to understand people who do not look like you. Um, no one's born inherently racist. I mean, I, it's learned. Um, and if you want to join millions of people for a good cause, mm-hmm. sign petitions. It'll take less than a minute for you to have a legitimate voice that will be heard. Um, if you have money, um, donate to bail funds, um, Campaign Zero, or other organizations like the Black Lives Matter. Um, donate to George Floyd's family, Breonna Taylor's family, Ahmaud Arbery's family, and mm-hmm. literally anything helps. Um, and lastly, the la- I will say, the biggest thing I think we can do um, when it comes time to do it is vote. Um, so don't be scared to speak out against issues of racial injustice. Um, being anti-racist is not controversial. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Keegan, thanks, as always, for coming on the show. You know you're always welcome. You yeah. know you're always welcome to come on the show. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we actually have our first uh, female guest of this show coming on. It's been a lot of testosterone on this show, so I will uh, <laughs> I will introduce her uh, in a moment. Um, but, uh, Keegan, again, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure we'll have you on it again uh, in the future. So, thanks again, dude. Thanks, Keegan. Awesome. Thanks, Keegan. Yeah. Thank you guys for having yeah, me. Really no appreciate problem. it. All right, and we are back, and hopefully this just sounded like a uh, one, (laughs) I've said it (laughs) every single time now, hopefully it sounded like one fluid thing for everybody. Um, We're still waiting uh, for our our fourth guest, or our fifth guest, I think it's our fifth guest, I'm losing losing track, but that's a good problem to have, actually. I've enjoyed having so many people on on this episode. Um, We actually don't have a time limit for this next guest, so we got all the time uh, in the world for this. Um, she's still not here. I'm still waiting. That's okay. That's the first time using the app. Um, so just for everything, um, I think this has been a, a great, uh, a great conversation. I think with everybody, Sam, this has been a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, it's nice to have um, a bunch of different perspectives and it's nice to get another new perspective coming in shortly. Um, Every guest has been uh, really professional, I feel like, really um, up to date. I mean, George has been bringing it the whole day. We got um, Janin brought it in the beginning. Uh, Cody really stepped up. He was... uh, Blue Moon. We like. I didn't know what to expect from a bunch of uh, our guests that came on, but everyone just really killed it. Oh, we bring. We just bring in the best, and then we had Keegan as well, who uh, is always uh, always insightful. And then we have our first female guest, who is here, first female guest of the show. It's been, uh, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of uh, testosterone. I did reach out to a lot of uh, females, but she who got back to me and the only one who said she'd be willing to come on uh, so we really appreciate it so for everybody uh camry hunt um hello how's it going <laughs> good we are uh we are glad to have you um so camry obviously i'm here sam's here and then george uh hughes he's here with us as well so hey camry awesome um so camry we've just been talking about uh, i mean 99 percent of this conversation has been centered around a couple incidents uh, that have gone on uh, in the sporting world um, with certain coaches, certain athletes. Um, but we've sort of talked a lot about that right now. So I just really, and we just really wanted to give uh, just another perspective to everybody uh, just about this whole thing. Um, so if there is whatever you uh, would like to say um, about this whole thing before we get started, um, either what you've been doing to help or what, what you've been hearing, any thoughts you have uh, on this is uh, is much appreciated. So the uh, the floor is yeah. yours. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, I can't really speak to what's going on in the world of athletics right now, but um, I have attended a few protests in the Bay Area in both Oakland and San Francisco. Um, and I think with everything that's going on right now, it's really important that we focus on community. Um, because you hear a lot of um, aggressive rhetoric towards the police, towards the police state, towards the government, saying all cops are bad, all cops are this, our cops are this. And um, what I don't think a lot of people understand is what what exactly that means and what exactly that translates to in terms of policy and government. Um, so I think um, as, as a person who is white, um, it's important to not only accept that you have privilege, but to take what those people are saying and to take that that message of all cops are bad and be able to break that down, ex- figure out what that means and be able to explain it in a way that our family members can understand um, and have really uncomfortable conversations and be uncomfortable ourselves. Um, so from my understanding with the protests that are going on right now, um, it's important to acknowledge that they are about George Floyd. Um, they are about the death of an unarmed black man, but it's also something that's a lot bigger than that um, because this isn't an isolated incident. You know, um, there are, there's a militarized police force that often targets communities of color, um, specifically black communities, and um, that there's a, um, a book I've been reading um, called The New Jim Crow where it talks about um, the overmilitarization of the police force and um, mass incarcerations of people of color. And um, that's really what these protests are about, is it's not all cops are bad or 
each individual cop might be a good person, but there's a system and there's an issue within the system um, that affects communities of color. And so these protests are advocating um, for taking the funds that are used to militarize the police force and um, the industrialized prison complex and really pump them into the source of where those crimes are coming from. Um, I can actually pull up a quote from the book I'm reading where it talks about it. Um, Give me just a second to find it because I have it right here. Um, um, But it talks about how um, the safety of communities isn't determined by how much police force is there, but by how much access to education, access to mental health resources, access to health care there is. Um, And so really what what these protests are advocating um, is a complete transformation of the way we we view crime, of the way we view black lives. And um, as much as not all cops are bad, not all people who are black are criminals. Um, and so I've spoken to my friends who who are black, who have been unfairly treated by police and automatically assumed to be criminals when they were doing these minor petty crimes. And I think we have a justice system um, that definitely views nonviolent crime like drug charges and theft um, in the same way that they view violent crime. And I don't think that is okay because these people are then torn from their families. They lose voting rights. They lose, um, they lose a lot. And they're be- brought into a system that then takes away their rights as a citizen. And it, by, by labeling people as criminals, you then take away their their ability to be viewed as citizens and be viewed as people you take away their their humanity in a sense and um so when people talk about like this tough on crime rhetoric you also take away humanity and you also take away people who are who are just as human as the person next to us i think um we can agree that we've all committed crimes um i like we've we've all either been underage drinking or engaged in drug crime or engaged in, in, in small crimes that were never criminalized to the same degree as it would have been if, 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 if our skin color was different, you know? Um, because I, I can think of a handful of things that I've done that were not lawful. I've sped, I've ran traffic lights. I've, you know, I've committed crimes, you know, and I've never had the same treatment from police. I've never felt afraid of police. And so it's important to listen to the stories of the people around us and one, not overpower what they're saying, but to amplify what they're saying and look to understand. So if you are white and you are listening to this podcast, I really urge you to take interest and to learn um, how, how how the law system and how police force affects people of color. Um, And genuinely, I believe that if we take a community-based approach and we move these militarized funds um, towards community-based efforts that provide mental health resources, that provide um, social work to these communities and and make it a place of trust and compassion, um, that we would see not only like crime rates go down, but but we would, I genuinely believe we would see a better world and... um, that is filled with not as much violence. And um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a long rant. No, that was perfect. No, that very was, well said. Yeah, that was. Um, and I feel like uh, one of the things that you had said at the very beginning, and I know it sounds like I ignored everything else. I didn't. I promise. But one of the one of the <laughs> one of the things that you said right at the very beginning uh, caught my ear. You said you had attended uh, a couple protests, and that's something that none of us who yeah. have been on the um, who have been on this podcast right now. Uh, can speak to you. I don't think unless George has mm-hmm. been to one that I don't I have know. Not, okay. I have not yet. Um, and there was something that I was actually talking to somebody who we were going to have on the, the show. He unfortunately couldn't be on the show today. Um, and yeah. my dad, my dad this morning said something that I thought was really um, insightful. He was, he was making the delineation between the word um, peaceful and nonviolent when it comes to protest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, in a nutshell, what he said, and I sort of rearranged it to make more sense. Um, peaceful protests always mean nonviolent protests, but nonviolent protests doesn't always mean peaceful. There's a difference between the two. There's a difference between the two. Um, and I think the media right now has been using peaceful and nonviolent interchangeably when they're two separate things. Um yeah. And for somebody who hasn't been to a protest, and for somebody like you who has been, if you could shed some light on what the protests have been like actually being there, I think that would be insightful for a lot of us, because I imagine yeah. not a lot of us have, have been there. Um. Yeah, so the one that I went to in Oakland was actually led by two 19-year-old um, men from the community. Um, they were young men. They were 19 years old. Uh, and it was powerful. Like, when you are in a group of that many people, it is powerful. And you also have this sense of, um, of, of say. You feel like you have a voice, and your voice is understood. Um, and so when you talk about, like, peaceful versus nonviolent, um, I really think that, that it's important to be dis- disruptive. And I don't mean like breaking in windows or like anarchy or complete chaos, but there needs to be some disruption and some lack of peace in order to put this pressure on government to say, um, this is wrong. We need to do something to, to stop this because the people are being vocal. And um, I, look at, I look to history. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about um, the riots that have been going on. Um, and though I don't, I don't think it's ever okay to fight fight violence with violence. I think it's important to be disruptive and be be a little chaotic. And you also have to take a look at the years and years and years and years and years and years of history that are here and that are being vocalized for these for these people. Um, and it's it's aggressive because as much as the protests have have taken a violent turn and have taken a disruptive turn. Um, you look to history, you look at the Tulsa massacre in 1921, where Black Wall Street was completely burned to the ground. You know, you take a look at the violent history that have plagued Native American people, where you have the Trail of Tears, they were forced out of their, out of their land. That was not peaceful. The Boston Tea Party was not peaceful. The women's suffrage movement was not peaceful. So I think when, when people are passionate, when people are are genuinely wanting to see change, there does need to be some sort of disorder and some sort of disruption to say, hey, list, like, listen. Um, and there's a quote by Mar- Martin Luther King um, where he says, riots are the voice of the unheard. Um, so 
I, I don't think there's a particular way to tell people how to, how to protest. Um, but I, I do think it's important to, to protect the communities in which we're trying to change. For sure. For sure. Um, George, Camry just kind of came in and dropped a uh, bucket of information. <laughs> she did. On us. She did good for um, her. It was great. It's great information. So um, what, uh, what do you got to uh, say about all that? I mean, to add on to just what she said about, um, she said that Martin Luther King quote, and uh, also to speaking to disruption to create change. Um, I think that's right on point um, to kind of connect those two things together when uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated for speaking out for what he believed in and for for, Mm -hmm. um, black rights and justice in America. Um, There were six days of riots in 110 cities across the United States. And on the sixth day, the um, Civil Rights Act of 1968 was passed, giving uh, black Americans basic rights. And if that doesn't say something to you, then... I don't know what will get through to you because that speaks to the ignorance of the white people in this country, people in general. That was only 50 years ago. That was so recent. Yeah. They, they could not create change without literally burning things to the ground. Now, that is not to say that that is the best way to go about it, but as that seemed like the yeah. only option they had. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just, I feel for all of the black Americans in this country and I just want, you know, change to happen. And just this, this is the this is the only way that they feel that it can happen. For sure. Mm-hmm. Sam, uh, we have two guests on the show right now who are both smarter than us. Um, Stop. So, yeah, I don't, even, uh, I don't even want to open my mouth. <laughs> I'll just so, say something wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, Sam, if you got anything to say, I mean, after well, all that. Um, first off, uh, good job, Camry. You, uh, you really blew my mind over here. Um, I'm going to have a hard time formulating sentences from now on, but um, there was a point which you spoke about and what Keegan actually spoke about, which was this call to action for, I think, more so our generation right now as millennials or um, whichever generation we identify as, it's, it's different for Whatever you, um, yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't even know what I am. I'm born in 1999, so I feel like yeah. I can't identify with yeah. it, it, depends, it depends where they set the, yeah, the date yeah. is. But um, as as the youngest, like as a younger generation, it's our job to get as educated as possible. Yeah. So then, when we grow into positions of power, we can then make change. Yeah. But we also, at this time, need to educate ourselves to educate our parents mm-hmm. yeah, who are also making, which I know you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but mm-hmm. we're not dogs. We're humans. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe most of us just <laughs> starting a conversation with our parents is huge. I mean, I've taken, um, I've been fortunate to take three class, three courses now in German history, which is all, um, talking about uh years after the nazi regime and the third reich took place and it's it's crazy that we've followed sort of the same trends where bad instances of discrimination have happened mm-hmm. and then the generation it's the generations after that are obligated to really make that change and not ignore what's going on around mm-hmm. us yeah and i think uh of trap for our generation is ignoring what's happening and just sticking to the status quo. And I feel like as, I mean, we're all white here, but it's our job to become as 
like as best understood as we can. And exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's really something huge that we that people can take away from this. And because um, I don't think anyone we can always get more information to get a better understanding. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note, too, that a lot of people rely on their Black and people of color friends to educate them. And I think it's also our job as white people to understand that it's not their job to educate Mm -hmm. us. You know, we can hear their experience, and then there are plenty of resources to go educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm reading... books right now I'm, I'm currently reading the new Jim Crow but I've also read Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde that talks about intersectionality um there's a good um like I guess introductory level book on racism called White Fragility that I encourage like all my white friends to read because mm. it's powerful and it helps you understand the ideas of privilege and how to go about it and how to go about conversations about race with family members and approaching it from with empathy and compassion and helping people understand um but most importantly, it's it's our job to edu- educate ourselves, you know, um, and understanding that like like people are tired, <laughs> like our yeah. our black friends, our people of color, of color friends are tired of of screaming to be heard, mm-hmm. and it, as as white people, it's our job to hear them, mm-hmm. and then educate ourselves, so then we can then amplify their voices and help other people understand, mm-hmm. um, and pass that message along instead of like overshadowing that voice as well, mm-hmm. right. Um, I gotta be completely honest. I was bouncing the questions to you guys because I was trying to formulate something in my head to, to say. <laughs> um, the uh, and I think, and I'm gonna try to bring us full circle as much as I can because the conversation started with sports. We branched off a little bit. I'm gonna do my best to take what you said, Camry, and bring it back so it's a, a big full circle. Yeah. The best thing I think. Um, so. And for any, we already went over this, but Cameron, there's a rule in the NFL right now. It's called the Rooney Rule, mm-hmm. um, and it is a policy that requires leagues and uh, teams to interview ethnic and minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operation jobs. So it's basically saying you have to, you have to interview somebody of color or from an ethnic minority. Minority, mm-hmm. um, and I think for anybody who's sitting there with these protests and everything that's going on. And I think the best way that I can put it is the fact that that rule exists shows that there's a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. The rule shouldn't exist. There shouldn't be a need to um, say you have to interview uh, an ethnic or minority uh, candidate. It it should just be like you're interviewing the best person for the job. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that Cameron said earlier was the, the blanket statements. Um, And for, and for me, like, I mentioned this earlier, you know, I'm in the military, I'm a Marine reservist. And I'm also mentioned earlier that my dad was in law enforcement for 23 years. I Mm -hmm. was raised by a cop. I grew up around cops. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love every single one that I have met. Um, so when blanket statements get thrown around that all cops are bad, um, Mm -hmm. that it's, I, you know, I immediately think of my dad and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not true. Um, not all cops are bad. Um, but then, at the same time, um, I also have to understand where that statement is coming from because I yeah. I can un- I can understand that from certain viewpoints it may look like all cops are bad, mm-hmm. um, and be it fair or not, um, that's sort of where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, 
And it's unfortunate. And I think for anybody who's sitting there and saying, if anybody is saying that there's not a problem, the fact that all of this is taking place, uh, I don't, I mean, you, you got to be blind to the whole thing to, to say yeah. that there's not a problem. But it's, it's blind um, and it's disrespectful as well because you're belittling everybody who's fighting for their lives out there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, with, with the whole Grant Napier thing, you know, the, the response to the Black Lives Matter movement saying, all lives matter. It's like, well, nobody's debating that. That's just yeah. not the point. That's just not the point right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your the lack of awareness from some people has been has been shocking in in, yeah. in that sense. And um, I I know there's been a lot of backlash about the all cops are bad statement as well. Um, and I want you to know too as well that like when you go to these protests and you hear people speak, um, it's kind of like it's kind of I've I've heard it described as like an apple tree, and if a tree is bearing fruit and maybe not all the fruit is bad um, but you haven't have a have weeds around your tree that is producing bad fruit it is then necessary to to uproot that tree in order to produce good fruit Um, and i think that's that's really true right now because we have a prison system that is that is profiting our i don't think a lot of people understand that that prisons are for profit they're not Free. They're not nonprofit, but our government actually makes money off of the production of these prisons. And so it's not that like your co- your dad's a bad person or his friend's a bad person. Like I'm sure all these cops are really great, wonderful people, um, but they work for an institution that isn't good for the people. Right. And that's what I, I I've been trying to like explain to people, and I it's like and it's it, when it's like those blanket statements that I think make it hard to understand like the meaning behind them um, because they are powerful, but it's just, they are perceived as, as being just like general statements when, when there's actually like a whole, whole system and a whole like reason behind it as well. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I like that analogy. That was, that was just good. I liked that analogy. And I like George's analogy earlier about the, uh, the houses. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I mean, the, I guess the question is right now, and we don't have too much uh, more time um, left, but I guess the question now would be sort of, uh, what's this all leading to? Yeah. You know? Like there's, uh, there has to be, there has to be a, uh, a climax. There has to be something that says, um, okay, we're here. Um, like the, everybody's, everybody's climbing up the hill right now, mm-hmm. going to get to the top eventually. So what? what's that going to be? Um, and I think that's the, that's the question that, that everybody's trying to answer. And I'm not sure, I don't think any of us here are, I guess, educated enough to really give a good answer. Um, or, I mean, yeah, it's really just spitballing at this point. Yeah. Um, well, um, my, my only hope is, so I was looking at some stuff cause I've seen pictures on, um, about the George Floyd, um, uh, protests and there's the I can't breathe signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that looks really familiar. And then I looked it up, and there is, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2014 there was the um, mm-hmm. Eric Garner mm-hmm. killing of yep. a, of an officer, and it's that was six years ago, it's and we're back at the same yeah. spot, like literally the same mm-hmm. exact spot. I just hope that this movement doesn't lose steam, like apparently the Eric Garner protests yeah like something needs to change and i think what's different about this movement um compared to like protests in years past is this is the first time that 
all 50 states have really come together. There has been a protest in every single state across America uh, saying that Black Lives Matter. Um, Oh, I'm getting chills. (laughs) Um, Where I think it, it is crucial to keep the momentum going because I know George Floyd, the, the police officer that killed him and the police officers that were there, um, their, their charges were um, changed, I think, as of yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, officer Chavez, um, was his charges were up to second-degree mm-hmm. murder, and yeah. the other ch- officers were charged as well. Um, and I've, I've talked to a couple people, and they're like, oh, this is just a pacifier to keep the people happy. But it, it's also going to show that, like, protests and riots are mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. And that's why we it's crucial to keep this momentum going, to keep protesting, to keep signing mm-hmm. petitions, to keep vocalizing, to keep educating our families, to keep reading, to literally not mm-hmm. stop until we have we advocate for the defunding of police and, and start advocating for mental health resources and resources that are actually going to help crime instead of exacerbate crime. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the prison system, people who go to prison are more likely to go back to prison mm-hmm. instead of actually reforming and being with their families and focusing on community. Like it, it is powerful. Um, I think people underestimate the power of their neighbors and the power of their churches and their community, like their everything around mm-hmm. them um, of mental health resources, of having access to healthy food of, of, you know, economic resources. And, and I think that's the direction that this movement needs to go towards is mm. is towards that reform because right now the system isn't working mm. people are rioting for, sure. for a reason and um i think i encourage all of my white friends to continue to stay educated and continue to educate other people and be as active as you possibly can right now and vote and vote the crap out of, <laughs> out of, out of oh yeah them. keegan keegan mm. said that too <laughs> um George, do you have any closing thoughts? You've been with us the um, entire show. You know, everything that's been said so far, I think we've had some great discussions. Um, Camry has talked a lot about the movement um, as, a, as the bigger picture. We've kind of focused on sports. I think, it's, I think it's great. I think we've covered a lot of bases. I just really want to encourage yeah. our local community, our local friends who are already being active um, and also those who haven't been active yet. Um, please open your minds and see what is going on around the country. Don't, don't be defensive about it. Like it's okay to acknowledge your privilege or even acknowledge that you have not seen the, the correct side of things up until this point. But like, if you're really being blind while all of this is happening, then, you know, you really need to take a good look at yourself in the mirror because it, it is, it is happening because it is a problem and we need to fix it. And it starts with us because we're the people who've never listened and never done anything before. So, you know, get out and, and we'll make the change. Mm-hmm. Sam? Um, yeah, I, I think a, a big thing is, um, a big thing is to self-reflect, but the important thing is it's not too late. Mm-hmm. Just because your life has gone, say you've been blinded, blind to what has been going on in this country. I think, um, I can even admit uh, I haven't paid nearly as much attention to what goes on in this country as I should have. But I think it's never too late for you to acknowledge that and then move on from that. And I think that's really 
something that's important to take away from this. Um, don't get discouraged and say, well, like, I don't know what's going on. So there's no reason for me to even try mm-hmm. or something. Um, and then two things before I sort of uh, wrap everything up. Um, one, for everybody who's been on the show, and I know some of our guests who who were here with us earlier are here right now. Uh, thank you. A blanket statement to all of you. Thank you for all of you coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate it. Organizing this was um, really last minute, um, and to say the least. <laughs> um, and uh, the fact that we were able to pull it off without a hitch um, was was really really nice. You guys were all you guys all came in and gave oh, some really great and insightful thoughts, and we really appreciate it um, because this is by far. Uh, the most important episode um, that we've done too. Uh, this show doesn't function um, and hasn't reached. Um, I mean, we've, we've been played in, <laughs> it sounds like a small number, but I mean, we've been played in eight different countries since we've started this podcast. And the only, the only way that we've gotten uh, to that point, although I don't know who's listening to us in Germany and Australia, but whatever <laughs> I, um, the uh, is word of mouth. So if you come across this podcast, uh, share it, send it to whoever, you know, um, because I do think, and we all do believe that these are really important conversations um, to be having. Um, and then just sort of closing and final thoughts. Uh, we had something hit us a couple months ago with the coronavirus that really put a halt on everything. Um, and it's sort of, and in a way for me, um, sitting back and um, sort of observing everything, I felt um, that it was one of the only times in my lifetime that I really saw everybody, not only in this country, but everybody in the world sort of come together, put a pause and say, hey, we got to figure this out. Um, and I felt like we were really, I felt like as, uh, a, as a country and B as just as a society in general, we were all coming together for something, trying to fix something. And then right now in this country, uh, we have this going on and it seems to be dividing a lot of people. Um, and I guess my thing would be if there was ever, if there was ever something to bring Mm. people together on, if there was ever something that we seemingly should all agree on, it would be, you know, everything that we had talked about today. Um, so I, I, I couldn't think of a more noble cause for everybody to come together on. Um, and it felt like we were right there. We were right there with something different, you know? Um, so I, uh, I, I really hope that that's everybody can, can come together and, and we can figure this out. Um, so thank you all to everybody who has listened to this show. We always say thank you to anybody who, who gives us a play, even for even if it's for five minutes. Uh, I said it at the beginning, this show since last year in July, the point of it is just trying to hopefully for anybody who's listened to us, uh, you know, we've been a release for you throughout the day, something to make you smile, something to make you laugh. Um, Cause Sam and I, uh, we, it's an unorthodox show. And we, we like it. We like it that way. Um, so uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to all of our guests. Uh, We really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you all All next week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.